Welcome to the 2023 season. Opening day is upon us. Hi, everyone. This is Philly's Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the Athletics Matt Gelb, live on location at Globe Life Field in Texas, where the day has finally come. It is Thursday, March 30th, 2023, and one of the most anticipated Philadelphia Philly seasons probably ever is finally about to start. The Phillies are opening on the road against Jacob deGrom and the Texas Rangers to kick off what what should be a thrilling, interesting, captivating, uh, every other superlative word you can think of, National League pennant defense season. Matt, I'm excited. How's everybody feeling down at the park? <laughs> well, it's, it's good that there's a dome because it's uh, really cloudy and overcast outside uh, here in Texas. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, uh, I think... Everyone's excited. The Phillies had Garrett Stubbs narrate a, a hype video. Which that was, was great. hilarious <laughs> to me because backup uh, catcher. He's the only guy who didn't get into a postseason game last year. And uh, poor guy. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think you know we finally get to see Trey Turner in a Phillies uniform, and mm-hmm. you know, think about it. I mean, like the spring, uh, the spring did not go well. You know, like think about it. I mean, they lost their yeah. first baseman for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, top pitching prospect has an elbow injury. Their number three slash four starter, however you look at him, is you know. Uh, not 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 on the roster to begin the season. I mean, a lot of things didn't go right, but still, you go into the season feeling like uh, this is a, a much better team than they had last year, and it's a team that has a lot of promise. You know, the the blow is so much softer given the Turner pickup and the hope for you know other members of the offense to either improve or bounce back or what have you. Uh, just yesterday, the Phillies made another move. They finally made the the right handed bat move that. Folks were anticipating me more for defense. That's Christian Pache. A little, a little bit more on that. I told you they were going to get somebody, you but did. I you not did. A, that's not what I expected. No, that's not quite what I think a lot of us were expecting either necessarily. Uh, big vote of confidence for the the infield group, though, with that move. Anyway, uh, yeah, the blow is softened. You know, normally losing your 30 homer first baseman and having a number of pitching injuries like that would really take even more air out of the balloon than it already does. But I think the fact that there are just so many exciting elements to this team who are healthy and so much to look forward to, you know, Harper coming back mid season, hopefully the, the other injuries not being as severe and folks can come back and join the party. There's really just a lot of energy right now. And though there are concerns for sure, like if they're going to lose ground, it'll probably be now earlier in the season while they are a little bit banged up. The simple fact of the matter is this team has a lot of stars again, and there's very little reason to think that there shouldn't be a return playoff trip. Some do. Don't get me wrong. There are some out there who think the Phillies will miss the playoffs entirely. Maybe a second team in the Central takes them over. But for the most part, on paper, even down a couple of really important contributors, this looks like a really good team. Yeah, and I appreciate the way that I think a lot of people are looking at going into the season is that um, – you know, they had the experience of last year, which was that, you know, this, the roster and what the Phillies looked like at the beginning of last year is very different than what the Phillies looked like at the end of the season and into the postseason. And I think, you know, that has given people some perspective going into the season. Like this roster is um, is not what it'll look like uh, in a month, in two months, in six months. Uh, there, there will be a lot of things that happen. And 
you know, they're not going into the season with their most optimal roster, but uh, I think you can look at it, uh, you know, from 30,000 feet and say, this is a team uh, that has a chance to win a lot of games. And speaking of looking at it from a distance and the current roster, merging both of those things, what Matt and I have done is we've put together a couple of over-unders. We've put these together pretty arbitrarily. You know, these are things that just felt right to us. Good for discussion. Good for jumping off. They seem reasonable. They seem realistic. And we want to run through them. You can see if you agree or not. And that's fine. I'm sure you won't. But that's okay. <laughs> this is our podcast. These are our rules. So let's get to it. Just I set right these lines, it. full disclosure. And I'm a, I'm a pretty good bookmaker, I think. So we'll, yeah, we'll, see, I, we'll see how this goes. I, you know, I think there's a lot of logic to some of these. So starting us off, we have... Arguably, I would say the most important part of the offense right now, especially since Hoskins is out, there's a lot of attention on this guy and whether he can actually bounce back. And that, of course, who else could I be talking about when I say bounce back? Nick Castellanos. I continue to be a believer. I still think he's going to bounce back. But Matt, you have set his over under for his OPS, his season OPS at and we went to a fourth decimal place here. Point seven, three, eight, five. Now. Just to refresh your memory, he had a 694 OPS last year. That was good for a 95 OPS plus. Not great. Lowered his career OPS to 801. So, Matt, 0.7385. Where did that come from, and where do you fall on this? I can't tell you where I make my how I make my lines. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, All right. I, and I'm trying to, you know, obviously, like I'm trying to set a line to get two way action here. I want, you know, I want mm. some action on the over. I want some action on the under. I don't want, you know, I, I'm trying to set a fair line and sure. I'm probably going to go under here. Like I'm going to go slightly under. <clears throat> and I also think that a lot of this depends on what you think about, like what the run scoring environment in baseball is going to be like this year. Like, I think we're all expecting a little uptick in offense across the league, right? Just for uh, the various rule changes that have been put in place. But I think so. Um, you know, I mean, for him to get to this number, like it's a, it's a, it's still, you know, a margin, you know, a measurable jump from last year, you know, what uh-huh. he did last year and it wasn't good, but I'm going to just, I'm going to go under here just slightly. Um, and it'll, you know, it's like not a full bounce back, but it's better than last year. And that's kind of where I stand on Castellanos right now. That's interesting. You know, that number would still be about his worst since his early days in Detroit. Like that would still be low. And and I get it. You know, there were times where he looked lost enough and his approach looked flawed enough that you could see it being a, a continuing problem. And it's hard to really, it's hard to put much more stock in, in uh, guys who are feel hitters like Castellanos is purported to be other than just trying to ride your own vibes. I'm going to take the over here. I think it's going to end up somewhere between 750 and 775. Um, I think that's that's probably you know, and I think that's the right play here for you. Yeah, and for most I, people. I mean, maybe I I'm being contrarian, it. but yeah. No, 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 no. I I look at it as you know, the OBP is not going to be huge. I think it probably goes up into the 320 range. But then you add some slugging. I don't think he's going to slug under 400 for a full season again. I just don't. It would be I, stunning I, if he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, the power numbers are going to prop that up. It'll be a slug heavy OPS, but I think he goes over. Moving along here. Um, Somebody who was reported to have added about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle and showed it a number of times during the spring is third baseman Alec Bohm, uh, third baseman slash first baseman. More on that in a little bit. His home run over under for the season, 18.5. That would be interesting. That would be a career high. Matt, what do you think about 18 and a half home runs for Alec Bohm, who hit 13 last year and has 24 for his career? 
Right. So I think this I think this number is kind of high. Like I set this number and I'm looking at it now and I'm like, this is kind of high, you know, just based on his career. And this is, you know, this is essentially you're betting on, you know, a, a breakout season from Boehm, a little more power and that he has figured things out. And like, I, I think I'm I think I'm going to take the over like I, mm. I I think when I first started, looked at this line, I was like 16 and a half, 15 and a half, 17 and a half. And I kept moving it up and, you know maybe the book would take a lot of action on the over, on the uh, on the under here and move the line down and maybe get some more over action but i'm i'm going to say he's got 20 home runs this year i i would love to see that but i'm going to go with the under here i think it settles somewhere into the mid teens and that's not to detract from a full season as a whole because i do think some better things are coming here i just look at bohm's approach and what he was scouted to be when he was picked and coming up through the system and his first season He's that all fields kind of guy. And if that comes back, I think you're going to see a big uptick in doubles driven slugging. And that would be great too. maybe, you know, push into the mid thirties with some of these doubles, which would be amazing. I don't think the home runs are going to take a huge leap unless we have another juiced ball epidemic, which could <laughs> could happen. You never know. The ball you never know. You never know. <laughs> the ball apparently changes multiple times every year. So, hey, I, I don't know. It's going to be cold earlier in the year. I don't know if he's going to muscle enough out. I, I'll take the under on 18 and a half. Not by too much. Happy to be wrong. I think it's going to be more doubles driven for him this year. The third over under is something that a lot of people are are focused on right now with the rule changes about pitcher disengagements and the size of the bases and the flashy new acquisition factor, Mr. Trey Turner, who can really run. His stolen base total over under is set at 39.5. Matt, what do we think? How do you feel about this line? I think it's a fair line. I think some people who are talking about, you know, 50 and 60 are a little bit out of their minds, but I think 40 is reasonable. Yeah, and I think I think he's gonna take his pick his spots and he's gonna run, but like I don't think and, and this is not like I don't think they want him to run like a ton, you know, in terms of stealing bases. Like, yeah, he's obviously you know, he's gonna be going first to third, second home a ton. He's just yeah. he's so gifted. He, he's just fast, the fastest guy maybe there is there, you know, everyday player there is, but I don't think they want him to really run a lot on the bases because there is a lot of wear and tear. There is. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he's wearing those double mitts because he, he has a history of injuries from from stealing bases. And yeah. I, I, you know, I think if he really wanted to, like if he just threw caution to win, like the guy, yeah, he 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 might be able to steal 75 bags. He might uh, if he was running in every situation, every chance he gets. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go under here. Like, I, I, I think he's in the mid to high 30s and steals. Um, his career high is 46, um, but he hasn't had 40 since 2018. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the new rules, like this is a total unknown here. We just don't know, you know, how the rules are going to affect it. We have ideas, but we just don't know. So I'm going under, but like, I, I could see, I could, you know, I could easily see it going over. Right. Oh yeah. Huge amount of volatility at play here. Uh, new rules, of course, also Turner's place in the Phillies lineup. I know for the moment he's going to be hitting lead off, but uh, maybe that could change. And if he ends up batting behind Schwarber for a stretch, uh, a base clogging <laughs> with an old archaic uh, uh, saver term from like the early 2000s that I need to dust off might come to play. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it would prevent him from stealing if somebody is on second base ahead of him. Now, I, look, this is a guy who is super fast and, and a lower stolen base total does not reflect necessarily a decline in speed. You mentioned it right away. This is a guy who's going to go first to third, first to home second home really frequently. And that's where a lot of the value is going to come in. 
I also think the the point about usage is great too. I, I don't know if he's going to have the green light to go just that often. I really don't. Oh, I think he's going to have the green light all the time. I think it's just going to be it's him. Like he's actually will. Yeah. You know, he actually looks at it this way. Like he thinks this is how he thinks about it. Like he wants to make oh, sure okay. that he has seven hundred plate appearances this year. Like he wants that number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think I think at the end of the day I'll still take the under thirty nine point five. Um, I'd love to see thirty. I think that would be cool. I don't think forty is unreasonable. Uh, but I'll take the under there. Next up is, uh, well, the next man up. Reese Hoskins, of course, tore his ACL out for the year. Well, that leaves a gap in the lineup and at first base. And who's going to fill that, especially against right-handed pitching? The Mr. Derek Hall. He's got a power stroke. And you probably saw that on display uh, both last year in his his cup of coffee and during the spring here. He can He can really run into the ball. This guy is strong. And he's going to see more playing time. He'll probably get a little exposure to lefties, depending on how things go. But for the most part, he'll play on the long side of the platoon. Now, we have a home run over under set for him at 21.5. Matt, what's the thinking here? Well, I mean, this line is totally built upon, you know, you believing that he's going to get a lot of at-bats this season. And... I think the smart play here is the under because there's so much uncertainty. Like, you know, he's not guaranteed, you know, to get a full season of, of, of playing time at first base against, uh, you know, against right-handed pitchers, but mm-hmm. I, I don't care. I'm going over here. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, you know, like I, I think there's a lot of people I've talked to from other teams who, who think that hall can be pitched to. And, and I don't disagree with that assessment. I don't, I am buying Derek Hall though. I'm mm. buying it. Um, it's not always going to be pretty. I don't think, I think the on-base percentage is going to be uh, relatively low, but, um, the guy hits the ball hard and, uh, I, I think he's got a, a really good outlook on, on, uh, entering the season on his approach on where he's on his place and all this. Um, I don't think, uh, he's putting, uh, undue pressure on himself. Like, I just think he's in a good spot and like, I don't know, like, I think he's going to keep making them give him chances. So thinking about this, just like pure projection wise, right? You look at last year at, at the major league level, he had 130 trips to the plate against right-handed pitchers and he homered nine times. All of his home runs came against right-handed pitching. That's pretty good. You know, that's a good rate. That's a home run once every like seven times or whatever. Uh, uh, not seven times, but it's, it's a home run about 7% of the time. Ooh, math. It's hard. Uh, when he comes up <laughs> against right-handed pitching, look, that's only 130 trips to the plate. And if this is your first baseman, and there are more right-handed, at least starting pitchers, I, I believe, still yes, that's to be the case. Yes. Um, in the league, he's going to get more starts. Maybe he gets subbed out a little bit later. I, I think late-inning configurations are going to be interesting when juggling defense and how the lineup should look. And um, there's probably a lot on Rob Thompson's plate there. I don't think 21 and a half is a, too aggressive, but I think he would really have to repeat what he did last year. He slugged over five. 50 close like around 600 something uh yeah 565 against righties right hand yeah. pitching and that's really good i mean that's it's <laughs> a lot of pop um but he would need to really keep that up for let's say two-thirds of a full season's worth of plate appearances if you take him out against a lot of lefties uh in order to make that work i could see it but i'll take the under i think he probably settles in the high teens if things go well and that's the right play. That's the right player because yeah. you're just you're bet you're you're betting on on other things happening that that take playing time away from him. 
right? Yeah, I, I I think he could make it close, especially, especially. He looked like he hung in there against left-handers during the spring, which is nice. If he can show a little bit of that too, maybe run into one in a little bit of playing time there, that, that could that could help his chase. All right, next up, speaking of uh, late-inning defensive configurations and really just juggling this guy's playing time in general because he looks like he could be a serious contributor, Edmundo Sosa, uh, a new fan favorite, acquired, of course, for Jojo Romero from the Cardinals last year. We have a games started over under for Edmundo Sosa, and that's been set at 70.5, which initially I look at as being a little high. But Matt, what do you think about that? I think it's high, too. Hmm. Uh, and, and and maybe I should have set a better line in this, but uh, I, I think I'm going over here. And maybe this is just a head me hedging on my on my haul over here um, because it's hard to see Derek Hall's home run overhitting and Edmundo Sosa's game started overhitting. But also if there is an injury to anyone on the infield, uh, Sosa's probably gonna be the guy who's playing uh, every day in that, in, in that person's place. Mm. Uh, and then combined with that, uh, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of days where Alec Bohm is playing first base yep. and Edmundo Sosa starting a third base. Mm-hmm. And so his path to getting, you know, about half the season, uh, of starts uh you know i i think it's there and so i'm i'm gonna take the over here i think it's something to watch for sure i am very interested to see how uh thompson is going to to manage all of this playing time. i i really am you know between sosa and josh harrison and uh, the outfielders who who were hitting really well in the spring wanting to keep them fresh it's it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting to watch how guys get spelled how the dh spot is used uh, all of that all of that so I think watching Sosa's game started, it's interesting. And I think it's an appropriate line to look at here. I'm going to take the under maybe somewhere in the 50s, about a third of a season. It just feels right to me. I don't really have a whole lot of <laughs> I don't really have a lot of empirical evidence to, to back. I think he's going to play. I really oh, do. Sure. I think he's going to play. Yeah, yeah we're going to see gonna him play. in the field. Absolutely. I mean, that won't count toward this over under with starts. But yeah, he's going to see the field a lot for sure. On the pitching side of things. Looking at Aaron Nola, who is walking into a big year, especially since contract negotiations uh, stalled out and eventually did not succeed. Uh, there was optimism that there would be an extension that uh, Nola and the Phillies would agree to at some point in March, some point during the spring. And that has not happened. And Nola and his camp have set a deadline. They are apparently not going to discuss this again until the offseason. So Aaron Nola, pending free agent, huge year, one of the more I guess you could still say underrated workhorses in the league. We have an ERA over under Nola, never really known as much of an elite ERA guy, despite his workload and, and good strikeout to walk balance. But we have an ERA over under of 3.095. So you're thinking 3.1 or uh, higher or 3.09 and below here. Matt, what are we thinking about Nola in this big walk year for him? The projection systems really, really like him. And like, that's, you know, if you're asking me, how did I set these lines? I was, I used a lot of like 50th, 60th, 70th percentile outcomes, you know, Uh, based on Pocota or, you know, baseball perspectives. And, (laughs) um, God, I mean, Pocota like loves Aaron Nola going into Mm. the season. I think they have him his like 50th percentile was like two something. Yeah. Really? It's like, whoa. So I shaded the line here and I still think it might, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think again, a lot depends on how we think, you know, scoring is going to be in the sport this year um big year you know and he's making a bet on himself and um 
I'm just going to take slightly over here. Like I think it's like three, one something is, is the number uh, for him this year. And that's a hell of a season. If it is that, I think, um, I don't know. Like I, I it's going to be, it's, <laughs> it's hard to see him having something in the twos, but I mean, the projection systems really like him. You know, the weird thing about Nola is as good as he's been for the vast majority of his, his Phillies career is that those ERAs don't usually reflect that. He's only been below an ERA of, of 3.5 three times. One of those was his uh, third place Cy Young award winning season last year, three and a quarter, the abbreviated 2020 season. He had a 3.28 and for the rest of his career, it's been sort of enigmatic. You know, some of that was, you know, bad defense, of course, and that ends up playing into earned runs uh, on plays that don't get logged as errors. <laughs> which is one of official scoring's bugs, if you think about it that way. His career ERA is 3.6, and that is not Nola's true talent level. Like I, I think people who have watched this guy game in, game out for years now understand that he is better than a, a high to mid threes ERA pitcher. He just, he just feels better. He's not overpowering that way, but he feels like he's better than that. 3.1, again, I like the target here. All of these are making sense to me. I'm going to say over again, but in a typical Nola over, like low three threes, creeping into the three twos. The defense is a little bit better with some of the moves that were made this offseason. It's a little bit better. I have faith it's that it's better. Yeah, I, I have faith that it's not going to be anything close to a train wreck. There are weak spots for sure, but it's better, especially late in games. If he can make it to a third time through the order or beyond with the lead, get a couple of guys in there in the sixth or seventh inning to back him up. I could see a little bit of suppression there. I'll stay conservative and go with the over, but not by much. It's the first time we agreed. Yeah. Oh, is it really? First one. Wow. Look at us. <laughs> Speaking of guys with a lot of eyes on them, uh, one guy who will draw a lot of attention despite not seeing the field for a while, that would be Bryce Harper, two-time National League MVP. He is recovering from Tommy John surgery. He is unlikely to see a single inning in the field, but will return as a designated hitter. The question is, when? And we asked all of you that. Uh, we'll get to your response maybe a little bit later. But we have an over-under on the date of Bryce Harper's first game, his first appearance back in the Phillies lineup, whether it's pinch hitting, whether it's starting, not when he's activated, when he appears. And this is an over-under, again, not a production of a, of a date itself. And that over-under is June 12th. So that would put it squarely in the middle of June, well before the All-Star break, but a couple of weeks after his earliest available return date, which is at the end of May, when the 60 days of the 60-day injured list expire. Matt, what are we thinking here with with mid-June and June 12th? So June 12th is the start of a uh, seven-game West Coast trip. Uh, it, It just, to me, like, you know, obviously, like, it seems to be trending toward you know, earlier than later, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't put him on the 60-day IL, and they're talking all about, you know, how maybe he comes back at the end of May. I still think that's a little ambitious, um, mm-hmm. but you can't rule it out, obviously. So um, you're right. I mean, they originally said sometime by the All-Star break, and that was vague on purpose. Um, I'm going to go over, and I'm going to say it, it ends up being like June 20th. That's the first day back from – uh, the West Coast trip. It's also the first time uh, the Phillies play the Braves and the Mets uh, at home. That's the start of a series against the Braves, June 20. And I don't know. 
you know, I think people, you know, it might seem like a disappointment right now if it's June 20. I'm just betting on, you know, this process. It takes time, you know, and like we saw it last year. Like you feel like, you know, he kind of rushed back. He probably came back sooner than he should have. And uh, I'm going to go over, but uh, I would not be surprised if he comes back before June 12. I'm really not going to add on too much to this because that's the day I have my eyes on too. I'm saying over. June 20, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? A six-game homestand against the Braves and Mets <laughs> in late June? Dude, that is it. That is the time. Look, I, it would be it would be great. All the games count, and getting good Bryce Harper back would be great. If that means, you know, on the road in Arizona is the first time he comes back, oh, okay. You take that for, you know, seven games out west against Arizona and Oakland. <laughs> Let him get back up to speed, um, especially in that Oakland series. But if <laughs> – look. Storyline wise, it almost feels too good to pass up to not if he's ready to not have him come back June 20th for the start of six games against the Braves. Like, come on, that's just too good. So I'll, I'll take the over and, and look at that as well. Another guy who's not starting the year on the Phillies opening day roster, but for different reasons, is Mr. Scott Kingery. He is in the final year of his pre-debut contract extension, his final year of uh, guaranteed non-buyout money. And he looked pretty good in the spring. And you wrote about this, Matt, in The Athletic. He, he has made the Phillies think again. He has brought himself back into the picture. Right now, the Phillies have Sosa, Muda Sosa, and Josh Harrison to fill utility spots on the Major League bench and in reserve. But Kingery right now, even though he's not currently on the 40-man roster still, looks like he could be the next guy up if something else goes wrong. And so, with an eye toward that, you have a plate appearance over-under for Kingery set at 89.5 that's total plate appearances includes walks includes hit by pitch all of that wonderful stuff 89.5 for kingery what are we thinking there i'm gonna be a contrarian and go under Mm. and it's just because like there's so many things that could happen that prevent him from getting you know more than 89 and a half plate appearances in the bigs this year would not surprise me if he does like i i really do think I, i wrote about it i think he's in a good spot both uh, on the field and off the field, uh, physically and mentally. So uh, would not be surprised if he ends up being a contributor for them this year. I'm just going to go under because I, I, I don't know. There's too many different things that could happen um, to prevent that. Um, he's made him think. I, I, I would not be surprised if he ends up getting regular bats for them, would you? Uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised, but it would be in, uh, I don't want to say dire circumstances, but not ideal circumstances because it means somebody would have had to go down and for probably a decent stretch of time. So with an eye toward optimism and and thinking that there's going to be more health on the lineup side, on the position player side, hoping for it at least, I'm going to say under, I I think he'll be back. I I think he'll, he'll make, uh, make his presence felt in in some way, probably more toward the end of the season, like August, September, again, assuming health, Um, because he could be useful. If these, if the way he looked in the spring is real and he carries that into triple a, there is no reason to think that he couldn't be um, in a part-time reserve capacity, an effective contributor. And that's the hope at this point. I don't think he's going to see 90 trips to the plate. I think a lot would have to go wrong on the position player side. Um, so I'll stay optimistic for everybody else, maybe a little pessimistic for him, and say under 89.5 for Kingery. Another guy, again, not on the opening day roster, this time back toward injuries. And we mentioned him a, a few minutes ago. The highly touted Andrew Painter, who was set to break camp with the team, but then that pesky little elbow injury came along. 
He has not resumed throwing just yet. Now there's an eye toward potentially him being back in games in May with a major league debut to happen, hopefully, at some point after that. But in thinking about the number of times he'll tow the slab and actually start a game for the major league level Phillies, we have an over-under for Andrew Painter game starts at 9.5. Matt, Matt, can you see him still making 10 starts, even with this later start to his season? The easiest bet to make is the under here. I don't care. I'm going over. <laughs> Damn the torpedoes, baby. I'm telling you, like, if he if he is healthy and that's a you know a big if, um, he he will be pitching for them in the majors at some point. I really do believe that. And mm-hmm. even if it's not until July, like there's a lot of there's a lot of runway there for him to get ten at least ten starts. Yeah, I could see it. I could I, I really could. I think a lot will depend on how he feels coming back yeah, into I mean, the throwing program. Yeah, and you could say that about every single pitcher who ever gets any kind of nick and cut. You know, we could say that about Ranger Suarez. I'm still kind of holding my breath about him and how he might bounce back from what's ailing him. So we'll see. But Painter, it's clear that all of the signals were there that they want this guy up at the major league level. 19 years old, 20 years old, they don't care. If he's healthy, they want him up there. So if he shoves for, I don't know, three appearances in the minors after he comes back, it's I'm sure there's a, yeah, it can't be many. There's going to be a level of impatience there. You know, they're going to want to get him up. Um, they'll figure out the roster around him to, you know, get him onto the 40. I'm sure like that's not going to be a, that's not going to be a hold up. I could, I could definitely see the over here. I really could. He comes back healthy with his elbow. He looks good in his first couple of starts. Again, you have to build in some days off there. We're thinking about time, right? So you add in another two weeks, maybe three weeks after he makes his, his minor league debut still gives you enough time in the second half of the year for him to make a start every fifth or sixth day and cross that 10 threshold. I, th- I think there's time there. I'll say over. I want to see him make 10 starts, even if they're only three inning starts, you know, Matt Strom level starts. That would be great by me. I would absolutely take that. And thinking about Andrew Painter in a, in a broader context, segueing into our, our penultimate over under, Thinking, and this was my lone contribution to this, and I just sort of, I just sort of picked this out. So I, I don't know if this makes a ton of sense, but we're gonna go with it. Who cares? Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, and Griff McGarry are the three-headed monster of pitching prospects within this organization right now. They are all knocking on the door of major league debuts. Uh, Painter, obviously, we just talked about him. Griff McGarry is a little bit older, college arm. Seems like he's pretty close. Mick Abel, a little bit younger, but. Doesn't seem like they're any less high on him potentially making his debut this year. So thinking about the three of them, and this is purely about innings pitched, whatever role they end up doing it in, starter or reliever, the three of them combined 99.5 major league innings pitched. So if you do 99 and two thirds, that's over. You do 99 and one third, that's under. Matt, I'm interested to, to hear if you think that has any basis in rationality and if I'm anywhere close to what these guys might do. Yeah, I don't know. It seems high. Uh, and that's with me thinking that Painter's going to make at least 10 starts. And it's also with me, you know, we'll, we'll talk later a, a little prediction that I have. Like, I'm bullish on McAbel. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'll probably take the under here. But I, I, I think, um, you know, I take the under only because, like, it's possible that Painter is the only one out of these three who pitches in the majors this year. And it's also possible that Painter doesn't even pitch in the majors here. Who knows? But um, even if I think Painter makes 10, 11, 12 starts, you know, let's say five innings a start, right? Um, you know, you're still looking at about 60-ish innings, right? Maybe in the majors from Painter, maybe more. Um, but I'll take the under just because, like, I think uh, 
there's a there's a lot of there's more likelier outcomes that Painter's the only one out of these three who pitches in the bigs this year. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take the under two. I, I know I'm the one who's who set the line um out of nowhere. I, I think Painter, if any of them would would carry the bulk of that. And if he does make 10 starts, they'll probably be abbreviated, you know, think an average of about four innings a start, maybe. Comes up maybe logs 50, 60 major league innings. I don't know if I see an additional 40 innings for the other two. Hopefully things go well enough that they they force their way into the conversation. I think there's probably more of a path for Griffin McGarry to make a, a bullpen debut, but then how many innings would he accrue late in the year? Don't yep. really know. Um, yep. I'd probably take the under here as well. I think somewhere in the 70-ish range probably feels closer. Maybe this line is a little high. Um, you'd love to see Painter you know, come back healthy and, and take up the majority of those, but we'll have to see how things go. Last and certainly not least, the big one, the big kahuna. The number of wins the 2023 Philadelphia Phillies will accrue this season. Matt, the over-under is set at a, a tantalizing and frustrating for me, 88.5. Where do you see this team winding up when all said and done at the end of this regular season? 88. <laughs> right on the nose. I mean, it's, I think it's a really good number. I think, I think it's, it seems like a lot of action has been on the under like that. This is the, this is the line that a lot of books are laying. I think right now are hanging. I think there's been some 87 and a halfs, you know, in, in, in near the end of spring after Hoskins injury, but um, 88. And like, I know that they were 87 win team last year and this is a better team, but um, I think 88. And I just think it's a safe, I'm being conservative here and safe and, 88 uh that that gets them in the playoffs yeah i think so too i I think 88 gets them in the playoffs i'm also going to take the under and say 87 i I think if they're going to lose ground in their pursuit of 90 it's going to be now it's going to be in the first couple of months of the season i know the schedule is a little bit lighter but they're also pretty significantly banged up and getting some guys back as those reinforcements to really you know, solidify things, get them some depth back would really go a long way. If they're going to drop some frustrating games, it just it feels like these first couple of weeks are when they might do it. I would not be completely stunned if they just kind of stumble out of the gate. It feels like there's at least a, a slight chance of that, just given what they're dealing with and how top heavy the lineup is without certain guys. Granted, the the other side of that is that it's so top heavy because these guys are so good that they have enough guys who can carry you whether it's on the pitching side uh, between Nola and Wheeler, picking up a couple extra uh, innings and, and, and wins potentially, or, you know, Trey Turner sure helps. And the other guys who are around him are still pretty good too. And Real Muno and Schwarber and on and on, maybe bounce back Castellanos. So if they're going to lose ground in, in trying to break 88.5, it would be now. And that would be the big thing for their playoff chances too. You don't want to fall too far behind early on. Uh, Mets and Braves, they're really good. I think right now the bigger competition is going to be for the wild card spots where you look at the the second and third teams in the central and the west especially. Um I'll say under slightly. I like 87 and 75. Uh, that just that feels right to me. Um mostly because they're not going to be at full strength for such a big part of the year. Um but they'll still be good enough to to win a few games that they probably otherwise would have lost. We are such wet blankets. I don't well, wait, think but now, so. No, I know. But now I have, okay, now I want to get, I, I asked you and I'm doing, we each did four. 
I don't want to say they're bold predictions, but I got I've got four predictions here. Like I'm just gonna I'm gonna rattle them off. These are just things I think. And then Paul, you can go. All right, and, and well, hang on. Before you do that, we'll take a quick break to catch our breath. We'll see you in a minute. All right, thanks for hanging with us. We are back here on the other side of that break to run through our our little arbitrary lists of predictions here, as Matt teased just before we we took a pause. Matt, you've got four predictions that you have laid out for this team, player-specific in this case. Uh, why don't you take us through those and let us know what you're thinking about? Yeah, and I really didn't touch on the stars here, but like these are the four These are four things that just popped into my head. All right, I'll mm-hmm. go with the first one is Bryson Stott has a 105 OPS plus, at least that, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of esoteric in the weeds here, but I, I think he'll be an above-average uh, hitter this season. Uh, I, I think Stott has a chance to make some some real steps forward after what we saw the last few months last year to put that in context gene segura last year his 723 ops and this is this is run environment dependent was a 104 ops plus so just just to put that in frame of mind yeah uh my second one is bailey falter makes fewer than 15 starts uh which you know i think it's i think it's more based on performance like i just think he's i think he's a really good six starter a guy mm-hmm. you want to use you know when you when you need him um he's their fourth starter right now which is which is problematic and i, I think performance wise i think that he he will it's going to be hard for him to make 15 starts this year mm, this is a okay. bold prediction because right now as it stands they're going to need him so i don't know um my third one is connor brogdon strikes out more batters than craig kimbrell mm. and this is less about Kimbrell and more about Brogdon. I think Brogdon's going to have a big year. I mean, I love it personally. And my last one is just like way out there. Uh, and that's Mick Abel is in the rotation by August. Mm. And there's a lot of things that would work against that because, you know, again, he's going to have, uh, you know, they're going to watch his innings, uh, but they're not going to baby him. I mean, we saw last year, they put him, you know, both him and Painter, you know, tried to get, they got more than 20 starts. They got them to the end of the minor league season. Um, so I don't think it's impossible. And uh, I think, really think Abel has just totally flown under the radar here. Love it. All right. So I'll launch into my four here and then we'll let you go to, to uh, head into the clubhouse and, and, and start getting set up for the opener here. My four predictions are as follows. Just to continue, of course, with my now running bit and gimmick of believing in Nick Castellanos. I think he's going to surpass both 35 doubles and 25 home runs. I think if you're really looking for a bounce back, even 25 home runs might be a little bit conservative. Maybe you're hoping for closer to 30. Um, this guy's bread and butter when he was going his best, you know, especially around the time when he was sent to the Cubs. It's been his doubles. Hasn't been a huge home run guy. I think we're going to see some power come back. Absolutely. But I think this is more of a return to normalcy for him offensively is getting the doubles back up. And that'll really drive some of his slugging and, and uh uh, his higher OPS, like we were talking about earlier. I think the team will have two qualified, so that's that's uh, uh, enough plate appearances to qualify for the batting title, 300 hitters. Trey Turner, that one's pretty obvious. The second one, Alec Bohm. I think this is the year, across a full year, not just his, his shortened rookie debut, where he hits 300. Still wow. don't, don't fully know about the power. I just, I like that he's letting the ball travel in the zone a bit more. I saw more hits to right center field and that part of the diamond than I really was expecting to see in the spring. If he carries that approach through, that's a big if. But if he does that, I think he eclipses 300. I think in my third prediction, I think Griff McGarry this year gets more saves than starts. 
Uh, I teased that a little bit earlier. I, I think if he's going to make a real impact on the 2023 team, it'll probably be in the bullpen. That's just me saying that right now. I know that's not a, that's not a statement on the long-term future, not saying anything about fully converting. I can see him forcing his way into the bullpen later in the summer. And I think he could pick up a few, uh, maybe in an emergency, uh, ninth inning lockdowns. Maybe that's only two saves. Yeah, it's only three saves. I still think that would be more appearances uh, than he would make starts for this year. Again, I want to make that clear. And my last one is prospect focused. There's a lot of talk about the arms. A lot of talk about Andrew Painter, Abel, McGarry. On the offensive side, uh, things aren't quite as star-studded. But there is somebody in the system who you may have heard of who's starting to make some waves. His name is Hao Yu Lee. He's 20 years old. Really interesting um, you know, contact forward prospect, a guy who really just anybody you seem to talk to anytime you see uh, a quote from an evaluator or a scout come up when talking about this guy in the piece, it's just like, oh, he just hits. He just hits. He made it to high A last year as a 19 year old. He only appeared in nine games there, but in low A for Clearwater, he had 283 in 302 plate appearances. I think in his age 20 season, that how you Lee is going to reach triple A. I think he is going to play in games for the Lehigh Valley iron picks. Uh, something about this guy and the way people talk about him, the brief looks that we've gotten in spring of, of his approach at the plate. Something just tells me that he's going to continue to be a fast riser, especially now with some of the more, you know, aggressive lines that we've seen on other prospects. I think he could reach Lehigh Valley by the time the year is over. And those are my four player specific predictions too. Matt, before we let you go for opening day down in Texas, what do you got coming at the athletic? Anything you can share, anything you got coming or that you got your eyes on that you want to let us know about what's going on. Well, I hope everyone gets a chance to read uh, the the Bryce Harper story I did. It was um, probably some of the most fun I've, I've had in this job, uh, you know, sitting down with Bryce and rewatching uh, the at bat from last year. And it was, it was really cool. Like I appreciate what everyone has said about the story. And really, I, I, I mean this, like I, it was all Bryce. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I came to him with the idea and um, I did not know, how far he would take it and he took it further than I would have ever expected. And it was, it was really cool. So I, I hope people get to read that um, either before opening day or after opening day, it's always there. You can go back and relive it. And I've got one more callback, believe it or not to 2022. There's one more. Okay. Uh, it invo- involves the rings um, and, and, and some guys who are getting them. And uh, that'll be coming sometime this weekend. In addition to obviously my, my coverage here uh, from Texas and for this whole trip, I'll be in New York, uh, when the Phillies go to the Bronx, I'm really looking forward to the Sunday night baseball in Texas turnaround to uh, New York at night. Um, I think I have a 6.15 uh, a.m. flight to LaGuardia on Monday morning after a <laughs> oh Sunday boy. night game. I'm stoked. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be on this whole trip, and, uh, yeah, I'll be writing a lot. Beautiful. Well, thanks, Matt. You are, you are free. You are released to, to head to the clubhouse and, and finish your prep. For opening day, uh, everybody else stick with us. We'll get into some storylines, projections, and some of your responses to our survey, uh, trying to get a pul- uh, feel the pulse of the fan and how you think this team is going to go. Matt, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, everybody. Paul Boyer back here with you on Phillies Therapy to... Go over to your responses to the 2023 season preview survey that 
nearly 200 of you so kindly filled out. Thank you so much for, for taking a couple minutes of your time just to go over exactly what we're feeling here, how this little snippet of the fan base uh, is thinking heading into the 2023 season here on opening day. We led off with, of course, the big one. How many games will the Phillies win in 2023? It is not surprising then uh, that the vast majority of you are feeling very confident in the way this team is headed for this year. Even with the injuries to start the year, that is not dimming the optimism. The overwhelming favorites in these uh, in these polls, over 96% of you chose at least 86 wins. That's 47% in the 86 to 90 win range and an additional 49% in the 91 to 95 win range. Absolutely not unrealistic. This team is very talented, even with the guys they're missing. We'll have to see if the supporting cast can help uh, uh, keep things buoyed, or even more than that, if they're going to win more than 90 games, heading into the first couple of months of the season. Related to that, we asked, where will the Phillies finish in their division, in the very tough NL East, the very top-heavy NL East, with three teams vying for that top spot, three likely playoff contending teams with the Mets and the Braves. Uh, the Marlins and the Nationals not really considered to be in the mix here. Again, there's optimism. I think the Phillies are pretty widely picked to finish third, and about 28% of you agreed with that, but more than twice that think they're going to finish second in the division. Now, we didn't ask you who would finish ahead, whether the Braves or the Mets. But I think it's very telling that uh, so many people think this team has the talent and the ability, or maybe don't believe necessarily in one of the other contenders quite as much, to push all their, uh, their way all the way up to second place in the division. And you would have to think that second place in the NL East is, is basically a lock for one of those wildcard spots. Further, about 8% of you think they're going to win the division, which, hey, it, that's great. More power to you. On the offensive side of the ball, we asked who you think the offensive MVP is going to be. Now, obviously, there's some thought about uh, you know, who's going to pick up in Bryce Harper's absence. Maybe Bryce Harper is your guy. We, we left that open to be uh, a write-in option if, if you were so inclined. Um, but basically, just looking at the Phillies' opening day roster, who do you think among that group on offense is going to be the 2023 MVP? The vast majority of folks, vast 85% of you, think it's going to be Trey Turner. And you know what? That's about as close to a slam dunk as I think you're going to get. This is a guy who's here and healthy on the opening day roster. He's going to be batting first, maybe second for, I would have to think, the entire season. Maybe he'll see a time or two in third. I don't know what that lineup would look like. But he's going to be up at the plate so often. He's going to have so much of a chance to make an impact. And as we've seen, looking at his career numbers, that's really what he does. He makes that impact. He is that guy. So I think if you're going to make that choice about the offensive MVP, you could you could do a lot worse than Trey Turner, even with the guys who are behind him in the lineup. You also have a few votes for Alec Bohm. You have a few votes for Kyle Schwarber. JT, uh, Bryce Harper does pick up a right-in vote. Even a little love for Nick Castellanos, a couple of you putting him in there. On the pitching side of things, uh, a pretty even split among who folks think will be the 2023 pitching MVP, pitching Cy Young Award winner for this team. Um, 46%. I think it'll be Aaron Nola edging out Zach Wheeler, who took home about 42%. Really, it's a two-horse race. It's about 87, 88% of you think it's going to be one of those two, with a little love thrown Taiwan Walker's way. And 
some folks thinking Ranger Suarez will be back in enough time to really make that difference. Plus, and I have to thank you for this, one vote each for Andrew Painter and Matt Strom. As for the bullpen, who do you think will be the bullpen MVP? A little more than half of folks think Sir Anthony Dominguez is the guy. Look, what we saw from Sir Anthony in his full season return from injury last year was amazing. This guy's got incredible stuff. He's up against some strong competition. He's up against the legendary reliever in Craig Kimbrell. He's up against the resuscitated Jose Alvarado. Uh, he's up against late comers and, and hopeful risers like Gregory Soto and Connor Brogdon, even a little bit Andrew Bellotti on the fringes there. But more than half of you think Sir Anthony is the guy, with another quarter of you thinking Jose Alvarado is going to be the guy. Between those two, that's a really dynamic one-two punch in the bullpen. That's a really great option to have, two options to have, when it comes to closing games late. One big thing on a lot of folks' minds, of course, is when is Bryce Harper going to come back? When will he make that team MVP push? The earliest he is eligible to come back, and I didn't set this in the uh, uh, in the poll with the calendar options, so some folks were a little bit early on this. The earliest he's eligible to come back is like right at the end of May. That would be optimistic, and he'll be the DH for the foreseeable future after that. We looked at what folks put in. Some of you went a little crazy. For some reason, you put April 2012. Thanks so much for that. I don't know if that's going to be very helpful. There's another vote for June 1987 before Harper was born. Okay, I'd like to see that. For the most part, a lot of folks are looking at May and thinking that, all right, this is a guy who's really going to push. He's really going to try and make this happen. He's really going to try and get back into the lineup before the presumed 60 days are up. Now, again, he's not on the 60-day injured list as of the time of this recording here on opening day. Uh, he could be put there at any time if the need arises. Uh, but folks are looking toward June and thinking, all right, maybe he won't be back at the very end of May. There are a number of you who do think that. But I'm seeing, and this is the predominant favorite, uh, June 23rd, which would be the start of the Mets series in that seven-game homestand that Matt and I were talking about earlier in the episode, uh, that garnered seven votes, as well as an additional 10 votes for uh, the 20th of June, which would be the Brave series in that homestand, which would be great. And then a little bit before that, we have some thoughts about coming back for the West Coast trip or even in the first week in June. There are some folks who think it'll be pressed a little bit more toward the All-Star break, give them some extra time to come back. But really, for the most part, it seems folks are dead set on early to mid-June as the time Harper will come back which I cannot stress this enough, would be an unmitigated win for this team. Finally, for our last three questions, we had a little bit of prognostication, uh, asking about some stats, and then eventually this team's ultimate destiny for the 2023 season. First is how many wins the leader of the pitching staff will have at the end of the year. Your options were fewer than 10, 11 to 13, 14 to 16, 17 to 19, or 20 or more. If you wanted to predict 10 wins, I'm sorry, I did not include an option that exactly gives you that. So I'm guessing if you said fewer than 10, which why would you do that anyway? We'll count it for you. We'll remember. 60% of you think it's going to fall somewhere in the 14 to 16 range. It is tough these days to really rack up a lot of wins. It's hard to get 30 starts to really even have the opportunity to get that many decisions. And starting pitchers are, of course, not usually going as deep into games. It's still an official scoring requirement for a starting pitcher to finish at least five innings uh, to 
be awarded a win. I don't know why that is still the case, whatever, who cares? So most of you think 14 to 16 is the range. An additional 28% of you think it's going to be a little bit lower in the 11 to 13 range, while a further 12% think in the 17 to 19 range. And there were, well, there was one of you who thought, thought the leader is going to eclipse 20 wins. Hey, that would be fantastic. On the offensive side of the ball, the lineup's home run leader will have how many home runs this year? Again, Kyle Schwarber led the National League in home runs last year with 46 in the regular season. This year, folks are thinking, 55% of you at least, are thinking 31 to 40 home runs is what's going to carry the, the team lead. That would be a bit of a step back, but understandable. It is difficult to hit more than 40 home runs, even with a slightly juiced ball, even with the power that some of these guys have. It's just not easy. Pitching is still pretty good. But there is another 39% of you who think it's going to fall within that 41 to 50 range, which would be fantastic. Again, this team hasn't had a 50 home run hitter since Ryan Howard. That's a tough thing to crack. Five of you think there are going to be more than 50 home runs hit by one individual player in this lineup. And I love you for that. Finally, of course, we want to know, how far do you think the 2023 Phillies are going to go? There are 26% of you who think they are going to finish the business and capture the World Series here this season. That's pretty good. That is not the leading vote-getter, however. Most folks think they are going to reach the NLCS again, but ultimately lose out. A further 30% think the NLDS is about where they're going to tap out, so if they're a wildcard team advancing past that, but eventually falling in the LDS. Another 8% think the wildcard is as far as they go, and somehow there are three who think they're going to miss the playoffs. I guess it could happen. There are a couple of good teams, uh, you know, behind the projected leaders, of course, out in the West and maybe out in the Central, depending on how you feel about Milwaukee and Chicago. I don't know. I feel like a lot would have to go wrong to see this team miss the playoffs. But anyway, that's your pulse. That's how y'all are feeling here ahead of the season. And there's a lot of optimism. Let's keep riding that for as long as we can, huh? So for Matt, I am Paul. Opening day is upon us. Phillies, Rangers. Aaron Nola versus Jacob deGrom. Things get started at 3 o'clock Eastern time. We hope you enjoy. You only get one opening day a year. Drink it in, enjoy it. Uh, and we'll be with you, Matt and I both, throughout the season for more. One more time, go Phils! And a happy 2023 opening day.